Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Kim Chitwood. I'm our Next Steps pastor here. And uh, excited to be here to share with you today. And <clears throat> apparently, when you're on stage, I don't know if you've joined us the last few months, either online or in person, that you're supposed to make fun of another staff member. And I've been racking my brain, um, and it's really bothered me. I've been very distraught with the stress of trying to come up with what I'm going to say about Jordan or Brad, Bruce, Trevor. And here's why it bothered me so badly. It bothered me because there's such a mountain of magnitude of things I could share. There's so much, and if I couldn't narrow it down. And so I'm just going to let them speak for themselves. And just know, but truly, I love who I work with. I love them so much. And, and we truly love God and love each other. Um, we have the love language of sarcasm. I don't know if you've heard of it. But, um, but it, we're a family for better or for worse, right? And uh, today, um, I'm going to continue with our series, Bullseye, where we've been talking about relationships. And if you joined us last week, you know that Brad and Barb were up here with their friends, Wally and Phyllis, and they got very vulnerable. Something you don't often see in church is where they talked about their first marriages and their divorces and how they navigated life as blended families. And then today I'm going to talk about something that maybe we don't talk about a whole lot either, and it's singleness. And I am excited about it, and I am single. And I do not say that because it's a dating advertisement. <laughs> no, please, no, please, no. I say that because I want you to know I have skin in the game, and I truly understand. And also, I know many of you are in a serious relationship with someone. Maybe you're, you're, you've been dating for a long time or possibly engaged or married for a long time. And just know that I do believe this message is for you. There's going to be some things that you understand and um, can take to heart. But also know that you've been single before too. And someday you may be single again. And that may feel a little sad or bad. And I validate that completely. I completely understand. So I'm going to share a little bit of my story today. Back years ago, a long, long time ago when I started college, I went to school in Illinois, and my, I was very determined to get my teaching degree, but I was also determined to get something else, and that was a man. <laughs> and so I, um, I dated a few, and I wish I hadn't dated others, and I, um, I wanted you to know and understand this. I was super determined to meet someone. It was a necessity for me, but I don't think it's supposed to be. I truly don't think it was, it was supposed to be. And I know that some of you understand that marriage is a beautiful thing. It is a gift from God, and it's a symbol of God's love for us. And if you are married, I hope you pursue each other well. I hope you love each other well and give each other the rightful place because it's needed. You need to do that. But I also want you to know that marriage is just a symbol of God's love for us. It's not a necessity, and I confuse the two. And so in college, my sophomore year, I met Dan Chitwood, and we fell in love, and we got married after school, after we were done with college, and I had another desire, another plan. My plan was that we were going to live this life of no suffering or pain, right? No suffering and pain forever, and we'd live 
till our ancient days, not old like me, but old, old, old. And one night we would go to bed in a peaceful sleep where no one snored, and we would hold hands and we drift, never going to happen, you're right, drift off into a peaceful sleep, pass away and wake up in the arms of Jesus, husband and wife happily ever after. And if you know some of my story, you know that didn't happen. And when we'd been married 23 years, which, which is almost 10 years ago, um, Dan passed away unexpectedly. And um, I went from married to single in an instant. And that's a hard story, and it's a sad story. And those few years after that, I wondered to myself, how can I live this life alone? How can I live this life without Dan? But I want to bring you up to speed to here and now. Because right now, I am currently living single on purpose. Because I have realized that I am single, but I am not alone. I am single, but I'm not alone. There's a big, big difference. And see, the problem is, is what we've done with this, and I know a lot of other things, is we, we, we put singleness into this basket of sadness and badness. If you have a friend that is single or you've been single, you think, oh, it's bad. It's sad. It's not a good thing. And, and, and why we do this is because we look at, we've glamorized having your significant other. We've glamorized um, meeting the love of your life. We do this in society, and we've even done it in the church. We talk about marriage. We teach about marriage. We celebrate marriage. We celebrate dating. We've dated. We dated six weeks. We've got to go on a six-week celebration, <laughs> and it's nothing wrong with that. But what happens is, is when we do, we read a lot, and we watch a lot, and we listen to a lot of things that fill our minds with with this needing this person, this human being, that it becomes right and good and normal, and then the opposite we compute as bad and sad and less than, and that is not true. It's a tragedy. I believe it's a lie from the enemy, and it's something that I was believing, that I needed another person. See, I believe God wants us to make the most out of our season of singleness whether it's a short time or it's a long time or it's the rest of our lives because it should be a blessing and a gift to be embraced and not a burden to carry because if it's a burden, what do we do? We want to get rid of it. We want to fix it. We want to do things like we see somebody who's single and we're like, oh, have you met someone? I've said that to people before. Or maybe you've said, I'm praying for you to find someone. And again, it's not a bad thing. It's just that it makes it look like having someone is what's right. The opposite is bad. God doesn't want us to believe that because I am single but not alone. I'm single but not alone. So what does God say? If I truly believe God thinks this way, what does he say? I want to look at Scripture. I'm going to look at a few different people in Scripture so we can kind of understand this. And I want to start at the very beginning. In the book of Genesis, God has created the world and all the animals, and he created man, Adam, Adam, which means man. And he says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so God created Eve. God 
created Eve. And maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've heard this, um, this verse in a wedding ceremony or maybe in a marriage um, teaching before. And what does our brains do? It's not good to be alone. It's not good to be alone. I need someone. I need to get married. I'm not good unless I am married. But what we have to understand, friends, is this. God said this to Adam. God said this to Adam. He is not saying this for all of us for all of history. This was written for Adam. He's saying man, meaning Adam, means the same thing. It's not good for you to not have a wife. He doesn't mean that we all should be married. That is not the truth. That's a lie. And then what we have to understand that Adam and Eve, they weren't created at the same time. They weren't created. He didn't poof Adam and Eve at the same time or he, because this is what he didn't do. He didn't look at Adam and he didn't go, oh, shoot, you need somebody. I better make Eve. He didn't do that either. He wanted us to understand, this is what I believe, he did, wanted us to understand that it's okay to be single, that Adam had all he needed with God. He was satisfied with God. He could survive without Eve. Eve wasn't part of his survival. But we can look at it also through the lens of this, is that we do need community. God made other people for us in our lives, but it doesn't mean we have to have that significant other. We don't. It's a tragedy that we've believed that. Adam was single, but he wasn't alone. And then we're going to go a little bit further in the Old Testament to the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a prophet. And a prophet was someone that heard from the Lord, and then he would share with the people. And this is before Jesus came. And so, you know, when Jesus came, we can accept him, and we can all hear from the Holy Spirit. But Jeremiah had this gift to be able to hear from God, and he would share with the people, and they did not like him at all because he didn't share very good news. See, the people were very much into idol worship, you know, worshiping you know, foreign gods and, and, and gold statues, and they were, um, the sexual sin was rampant, and they were oppressing the poor and the widows and the orphans, and God's telling them through Jeremiah that, you know what, you're not doing great, you're doing pretty bad here, and just to warn you, there's going to be, Babylon's going to come, and they're going to take over you. They're going to take some of the people. They're going to destroy the temple. They're going to destroy the city of Jerusalem. And so Jeremiah had this job, and if you can imagine, he was not a popular guy. As far as I know, I can't, and I haven't, I, I'm not sure, you know, reading his story, but I don't believe there's, there's any account of him having a lot of people around him that supported him. And so when you read the story and read about Jeremiah, your thought can be, gosh, you know, at least he could go home and vent to his wife, right? She probably has a nice meal set for him, and he could just be like, honey, the day, my day at the office was horrible. <laughs> I need to sit down. I need to vent to you. And just, ah, oh, just at least he had his family, right? Well, in Jeremiah 16, it says this, then the word of the Lord came to me. You must not marry and have sons or daughters in this place. And we're like, what? Poor Jeremiah, are you kidding me? No one liked him, and he didn't have a spouse. He didn't have a significant other. But what Jeremiah had was God. And 
we can hear a little bit more of what Jeremiah learned from the Lord by what the Lord told Jeremiah to tell the people. And it's found in chapter 17, the very next chapter. And Jeremiah says this, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. And he's not saying that we shouldn't trust in people. What he's saying is don't put your full trust, all of your trust in a human being. Because what happens is, is, is you're really literally turning away from God. You're turning away from the one who truly can fill you. And your hope is, I'm going to put all my stock into this person. This person is going to give me all that, that I need. And then what happens? No human being can give us all we need. You all have, most of you, you know, probably have been in a relationship before. Have that, has that person given you all you need? They're always going to let us down. If you do that, you're going to be empty. You're going to be thirsty. You're going to be parched. It's just going to happen. And then he goes on in verses 7 and 8, and he says, But blessed is the one who fully trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It is not fear. When he comes, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. So, but yet, when you put your trust, you're all, you're, 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 this is my whole life. I'm going to give you, you, Lord, my life. When you do that, you'll be quenched by the living water. And then, if you do have a significant other or a person in your life, when they do let you down, it's okay. Because you've got your filling with God. Because Jeremiah was single, but he was not alone. And then I want to step into the New Testament. And a lot of times with single, uh, single message, a message on singleness, we'll talk about one person in the New Testament. Um, and you may be thinking of his name right now. His name is Paul. And I'm not going to talk about Paul today. If you want to know more about how to live a, a really good single life, Paul is a person to read about. He wrote a lot of the letters, and, and he talks about being single. I'm actually going to talk about another person that's single. And maybe you've heard of him, Jesus. Jesus was not married. Jesus did not have a significant other, but Jesus was not alone. Jesus walked 24-7 with his Father and the Holy Spirit when he was here on earth, he would get away to spend time with his father. He had helpers around him. He had his friends that helped him, and he helped them. But he was single and not alone. I would say he was married to the Holy Spirit and the Father. He was complete with them. He was full with them. Jesus had all he needed. And it wasn't that he didn't have a hard life. We know he had a hard life life, beaten, mocked, betrayed, crucified. And it also wasn't that he didn't celebrate marriage and celebrate union. He loved watching his friends together. He, even his first miracle was at a wedding celebration. 
But he also said something um, also about marriage, and it was this. It was that marriage is not eternal. Marriage is not in heaven. And I heard that before, and I didn't like it, especially after Dan died. you remember my story that I would wake up, and we would be like husband and wife forever, right? When he died, I thought, oh, my gosh, that can't be true. There must be another interpretation of this, right? But the more that I, I looked into it and the closer I got with the Lord, I realized what I was doing as I was idolizing my marriage and I was trusting in Dan more than I was my God. I was putting Dan first, and he truly couldn't fill me. And so I had to start thinking of what's going on here. Why do I want my, why do, do I want my marriage to be eternal? And, and so then I went back and I read this, and I read the message version, and I love this version. This is in Luke 20, verses 34 through 36. Jesus said, Marriage is a pre, major preoccupation here. And I would say finding your significant other, the love of your life is as well. But not there, meaning heaven. Those who are included in the resurrection of the dead will no longer be concerned with marriage, nor, of course, with death. They will have better things to think about if you can believe it. All ecstasies and intimacies will then be with God. We sing these songs, friends. We sing these songs, all hail King Jesus, and we're like, yes, he is all we need. He is all we need. But then we go about our life thinking that other people are supposed to fill us, and that is not true. And in heaven, God will be our life, our breath, our satisfaction, our everything, and we need to start practicing that now. We need to start practicing that now. And I love how John writes about this as he had a vision of heaven in Revelation chapter 19. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like a, the roar of rushing waters, like the loud peals of thunder shouting hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb, the Lamb meaning Jesus has come and his bride has made herself ready. We are the bride of Christ. And then in, in chapter 21, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, there, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. We are the bride of Christ. And I know some of you guys, men, maybe even some women, that seems weird. That seems a little odd to think that, that Jesus is our husband. But I want you to strip away that earthly label. And I want you to remember what I said about the Trinity, because that's what I'm talking about. Being married to Jesus is complete in him is knowing that he is our satisfaction. He is all we need. He is who we can turn to to fill us up with living water. It's a beautiful thing, and again, something we need to start practicing here and now. And to my single friends, I feel like we have this a little bit easier. 
because we don't have to wrestle with another human being of where we put that person in our heart. Because we can totally con continually remind ourselves that we are single, but not alone. We are the bride of Christ. And so I'm going to give you a few ways we can take this and put it into practice this week. Number one, we got to reframe our thoughts. See, our brain has been, you know, we've heard the wrong things so many times that our brain has misinterpreted what's true. So we need to reframe our thoughts about singleness and see it as a beautiful gift to embrace, not a burden to carry. And so I want you to start listing the gifts of singleness. And some of them will be deep and, you know, like, I get to spend more time with the Lord. And some of them are going to be silly and simple. Like, I get to decide what temperature I keep my house. I get to decide where I live. I get to decide when I go to bed. I don't have to share covers. I get to eat what I want to eat for dinner, like popcorn every night. Anybody else? I really do that. I really do it. But so reframe your thoughts. And then number two, reframe your time. Notice what you're paying attention to. Are you spending a lot of time watching, listening, reading things that are continually reinforcing that I need someone, I need someone, I need someone. I'm, I, you know, it's not good to be alone. I mean, how many movies are there, you know, that you go, oh, the couple has to get together at the end or this is not a good movie. It's not true. <laughs> And so start paying attention to that and then reframe your time to go, all right, wait a minute. I am the bride of Christ. I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to greet Jesus. Jesus, hey, good morning. I love you. Help me remember how much you love me and that I am single and not alone. And, and then take Jesus with you wherever you go. Going to the grocery store, going to work, meeting a friend. Jesus, help me remember that you are all I need, that I am the bride of Christ. And then last, reframe your relationships. Now, I know that I have single friends that have kids at home. And I know what it's like to have a limited amount of energy to be able to hang out with friends. And so I'm going to encourage those of you that are married to reach out to a single friend that has kids at home this week and say, hey, can I, can I take your kids for a day or an evening so you can go hang out with another friend? especially friends that help us grow in the Lord. And so think of one person this week that you could text and say, listen, I want to keep Jesus as my bullseye and remember that I am the bride of Christ. Would you be that person for me? Could we sit down and could I hear how you're doing that with the Lord? And, and, and could I share what he's doing for me in my life? So think of one person this week. Thank you, guys for so much for listening. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are amazing. You are all we need. I am single. I am not alone, and I never will be. God, I pray that each and every one um, online and here will hear those words and truly place them on their hearts. God, I pray for my friends who are single. I pray that you will help them reframe their minds and their hearts and their times and their relationships. And I pray for those who are married, I pray that you'll remind them that they can be helpers for those who are not married. God, you are so good. You give us all we need. In Jesus' name, amen.